Hey people, let's have another episode of State of Mind with me, Richard Sefton. Another episode of talking, another episode of listening, getting things off our chest or just taking a long deep breath out, winding down and trying to relax. This podcast is reaching out to you, anyone who is in need of having someone reach out to them. I'm all about the talking and the active listening. I'm a big fan of sharing or being there for somebody who wants or needs to share. Tell you what, pause this now, go and get yourself a nice big mug of tea or coffee, get comfy and let's get this conversation started. Incidentally, if you'd like to join in the conversation, ask questions or if you feel you'd like to talk, then I'm on Twitter at Richard Sefton 3 Reach out and even if I can't talk to you, I can signpost you to someone who can. If it's more urgent, 116-123. That's the Samaritans and they are literally waiting to take your call. My guest today is an endurance adventurer, author and motivational speaker. He became the first person to cycle, swim and run the length of Great Britain. In 2016, he completed the world's longest triathlon, a 4,200 mile journey around the coast of Britain. This guy has travelled everywhere seemingly on foot, water or bike. Um, Just looking at his website and reading about all of his amazing adventures would have most of us gasping with awe and gasping for air. It's a pleasure to welcome Mr. Sean Conway. I was so tempted to say Connery then. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Richard. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, mate. Thanks. Thanks for agreeing to uh, to be a guest. It's brilliant. Um, Yeah. How's lockdown been for you then? Um. At the beginning, I was very frustrated. I felt like a real caged animal mm-hmm. and, you know, not being able to do what I want to do and do what I'm good at and, you know, do my my sports and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I eventually just sort of had to just shift my priorities, shift my focus and find, you know, the good things about it for for me and my family. You know, we got to, we've got to spend a lot mm-hmm. more time together. I've got to do a lot of stuff in the garden. I've built a veggie plot, you know. Sounds good. All these things I probably wouldn't have done under normal circumstances. So, uh, yeah, at the beginning I found it tough, but I just refocused my energy. And, and now now it is what it is. And, and I'm kind of, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm, I can't wait for it to be all over. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of finding stuff to do at home quite quite nicely now. Do you do a lot of running around the roads where you live, that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. You know, running is the sport I do the most of at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was cycling for years and I, you know, dabbled in a bit of swimming, but... Um, dabbled? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> done two swims and they've both been massive <laughs> that's it <laughs> yeah um yeah wow uh you you you, you, you swam britain basically yes let's <laughs> enter john o'groats uh, that's the one swim i did and then I, I did at the time it was the world's longest self-supported swim uh, of, of one, 120 miles <clears throat> and i did that in 2016 at the time so who's gone and beaten you now a guy, well, this is a funny story, actually. Um, the last, no, 2018, I decided to go for the Across Europe Cycling World Record. So mm-hmm. this is the fastest to cycle from the edge of Portugal to Ufa in Russia, which is on the Ural Mountains, which is basically where Russia changes from being Europe to Asia. Yeah. Um, it's 4,000 miles, and I was trying to break a, the record off this German guy called Jonas Deichmann. Mm. Um, and he kind of thought no one would ever break his record and I went and broke it. Uh, and then I think just to get back at me, he decided, well, 
that's it, Sean. I'm going to break one of your records. So he's now <laughs> currently breaking my world's longest triathlon record. Um, and he's done the swim leg already. So he broke my the swim record I had within that. Um, and he's still he's still en route. He's still busy on the cycle leg, um, currently smashing it. So good on him. Um, you know, it's it's healthy banter. He, you know, he helped me break his record, and I'm helping him break mine. So it's all it's all lighthearted, but it's quite nice to have a bit of banter around it. <laughs> you say lighthearted, but I'm guessing you've got to be have a massive competitive spirit to 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 be Sean Conway. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely the goals and the rec the records mm. um, are what I chase, and that gives me my oxygen, and that's really the thing that gets me out of bed each day is trying to break the records um so i'm competitive in that way but once i've got the record i I care very little about having the record if you know what i mean yeah i i don't you know if someone breaks it soon after me i'm not that bothered i inject for the most part help them and sort of go right well you know this wreck this bit in russia those roads are terrible so you better you know take this other road it might be better type thing um so yeah so for me it's i really enjoy sort of everything up to getting to the finish line (laughs) and then once i've broken the record then i move on to the next thing yes i obviously i I write the book about the record usually yeah and i've written (laughs) six books and that's really enjoyable and i go and do public speaking or now zoom speaking (laughs) yeah um as public as it gets yeah exactly and i enjoy that as well but um yeah, for me, I'm competitive until the point I've got the record, then I'm not that bothered. <laughs> I mean, I do a hell of a lot of walking with my dogs, and I was really pleased. This isn't going to seem anything to you, but I was really pleased. But in the first two weeks of the original lockdown, I walked 100 miles just around the local area. Wow. And that was that was a lot to me. But the most I can relate to what you've just said is kind of like my dating life. Enjoying <laughs> the chase, and then when you get it, you're yeah. not bothered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I remember those days. <laughs> But now, how many kids have you got? Just is it the, just just the one at just the moment. The one, yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's 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 great. Uh, he's he's starting to talk and run around, and his and favorite well, word his favorite word now is just no. He just everything is no. <laughs> it's it's a great word to use yeah. and, and to learn. But uh, of course, he's running. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm hoping, I'm hoping he gets good at running. My wife's quite tall, mm. and she's not really built for sort of ultra endurance running she was more of a sprinter um and she's hoping he'll be tall and i'm hoping because i'm really short i'm only five foot seven um and i'm i'm hoping he's going to be really short so that he's good because being short and light is is great for ultra distance running um so yeah i'm secretly hoping he's going to be short she's secretly hoping he's going to be tall so we'll see who wins that about 15 years time <laughs> <laughs> that's a long that's a long race yeah. i've um i'm i'm just over six foot so i'm now going to blame that on never being able to uh, to run i can walk for miles and miles as soon as it gets up to a jog my yeah. shins start hurting so i'm going to blame that on my height now thank you <laughs> well i mean it's not it's not everyone i mean but generally you know tall people can still run very well don't take this know. away from me <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to be really lean you know and tall really whereas if you're shorter you can have a bit more 
bulk on you and still not have so much weight on your knee joints and stuff you know i mean i i was really tall and lean until lockdown yeah no, <laughs> i'm yeah. now just tall let's not not yeah, speak exactly about <laughs> um going back to the swimming you said <laughs> which made me laugh you weren't much of a swimmer you weren't even a swimmer beforehand yeah i mean i can i could swim i had to learn how to swim at school so i knew how to physically move through the water mm. but i was just terrible my technique was terrible you know, a good technique for swimming is once you put your hand in the water, once it's about a foot deep, mm. what you're meant to do is pull yourself along the water. So you yeah. can imagine if you had to lay a ladder down on the ground and mm. cli- climb a ladder on the floor, can you picture it? You're running, you know, you're yeah. stretching forward, you're grabbing the rung, you're pulling yourself across, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you're meant to do in swimming. All I was doing is pushing, literally, I'd I put my hand in the water and then push my hand all the way down as far as it would go. And I went and got videoed and the swim coach is like, mate, why, you're just pushing loads of water to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> like, what are you trying to do? Swim swim upwards and out of the water. Like, you need to push the water backwards so that pushes you forwards. So there's all these little things that just made me just terrible. And my pace was, you know, really showed showed for it because I was swimming maybe one mile an hour. Mm. which is super slow you know you know i I know 10 year olds that will swim a mile in half an hour hey let them let them get on with that (laughs) yeah exactly um so you know so i'm super slow my technique's terrible i wasn't that fit i'm short as i said which is not great for swimming you know the Mm. length helps when it comes to swimming so all these things were against me um but then also i knew it wasn't a, a timed speed record so i could be slow and still break it um yeah it was just going to be a sort of a an exercise in resilience rather than an exercise in being a good swimmer you know Uh, what was the hardest part for you then what uh, geographically was there was there somewhere Um, where the tides were really high or anything like that yeah i mean cornwall at the beginning was hard because there was nowhere to anchor the boat so logistically it was really difficult to come ashore Hmm. You know, there were times where, so there was a girl M in the kayak, you know, we would find this tiny beach, mm-hmm. which we'd go to shore in at the end of the tide. And then you know, the next tide would be the following morning. So we'd have to sort of hide the kayak in some bushes or bury it in the sand, walk up to the mm-hmm. main road, go to a bus stop, <laughs> wow. you know, wait for the local bus. You know, I'm still in my wetsuit now. <laughs> go to Newquay, <clears throat> where the boat was anchored sleep the night, yeah. uh, wake up early the next morning, catch the bus back, <laughs> you know, jump wow. jump back in the water, you know, unbury the kayak, jump back in the water and carry on swimming. So there was this, you know, logistically it was really super tough. They didn't show uh, any of that bit on the news. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> I know. It, well, yeah. I mean, it was difficult. And then and then Scotland, you know, the again, Scotland with all the big locks trying to get mm. in and out of safe anchorages and that sort of thing the north coast of scotland was particularly rough with the weather Mm. um and yeah so i mean a lot of it was tough but a lot of it was was you know it was very weather dependent you know when the weather's good and that's that's a lot what people were saying they were going oh the sea's so dangerous and blah 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 yeah it's dangerous when it's dangerous of course it's dangerous when the wind's blowing Mm. you know 50 mile an hour and it's leap tide and it's wind against tide and and you know, of course, it's dangerous end. But actually, when there's no wind, and the, you know, and you're sort of 
in between the tides and it's calm slack water it's perfectly fine so you just pick your moments you know yeah so uh well, it, it just it just like has me thinking wow when you talk about that before you swam you said you were looking forward to seeing britain from a different perspective did yeah. you get to take any of it in though from the water you know before you came ashore and got on the bus yeah no none actually and i was surprised it's weird so when you're swimming so I, in in the little training i did i mm. i i thought oh well i'll i'll do bilateral breathing where you sort of breathe on every third stroke so you yeah. you know stroke stroke breathe on your right stroke 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 breathe on your left mm-hmm. um but actually i soon found out that when i breathed to my left all the waves would sort of hit me in the face and also i couldn't see any land so i thought well okay well i only breathe to the right now mm-hmm. um thinking also well actually i'm going to enjoy the scenery a bit more because i have to i have land to look at but actually su- surprisingly when you're that into the water, and if you look at the side profile of a swimmer, their eye is almost below the water because yeah. of when you're swimming forward, it creates a sort of vortex around your face where the water dips for you to breathe. So even unless it was smooth glass or mm-hmm. there was 300 foot cliffs, I was I still couldn't see see the the, the coast. <laughs> and yeah. also, I'm often about three miles offshore too. Um, so you're quite a way offshore then, wow. Yeah. Well, I need to cut the corners, you know. There's no point in hugging the coastline. <laughs> cut, cut the corners when you talk about swimming the length of Britain. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, you sort of swim from headland to headland, you know. There's yeah. no swimming, no point in swimming inside the bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what you what we did, really. Um, and, yeah, so no, I didn't I didn't see much. I mean, I did, of course, because I, I, I'd have to stop and... Mm-hmm. and eat in the water so I could sort of look around and the wildlife, you know, seals and dolphins all the time, um, oh, with them, which was amazing. So, Actually yeah. swimming with them, did they come and join you? Yo, yeah, the dolphins were a little bit sh- more shy and, and the water visibility annoyingly wasn't great whenever I, there were dolphins around. I'd sort of see them dart underneath me and I'd have a moment of panic uh, <laughs> before I realised, oh, actually, it's, it's just a dolphin, we're cool. Um <laughs> Uh, but seals were really inquisitive. They would come and swim next to me, and and yeah, they were great. And um, that uh, yeah, that was that was a nice nice moment to to you know swim with wildlife. And and I found generally the oceans to be pretty clean. Most people sort of go, oh, you know, how much you know sewage and yeah. pl- plastic did you swim through? And um, almost none, almost none. I mean, of course, it's all it's because it's all land on the bottom on the, on the beaches as well. <laughs> you know, of course, yeah. Um, but uh, and this was also 2013. It's probably a very different story now as well. Um, yeah. But no, it, it, it was. It, I mean, it did. It, it allowed me to explore a, a different type of Britain. And the thing I really enjoyed was actually just meeting people whose whole well-being and livelihood revolves around the sea. You know, fishermen, harbour masters, surfers you know, RNLI lifeguards, you know, anyone who just makes a living or, you know, uses the sea, you know, they're a great bunch of people, you know, and it was just kind of, I find people who, who, who live on the ocean or use the ocean to, for their well-being just have a really nice aura about them, you know, and it was really mm. great to, to sort of hang out with with sea folk <laughs> do you know what it, it sounds gorgeous the way that you're describing it and when you talked about the seals and the dolphins i'm a really i i can get really emotional about things like that because i just think that sounds so gorgeous the the memories that you must have lifetime memories and and 
the experiences that you've that you've done there and the way that you're talking about it just sounds like uh, oh my god that's amazing I, you, well, you have the, sailed it as well haven't you yeah i then went on to sail it which was way less glamorous because it took 84 <laughs> hours and i was seasick for 50 hours of that you're joking uh, really so and i don't know if it's, seasickness is so hard to explain to someone who's never been seasick but it is yeah. the worst thing in the world like I've, it's it's terrible <laughs> i do love the sea i absolutely love the sea it's my my favorite holidays are going on cruises so slightly different to yours yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um i have had seasick i'm one of those lucky people that don't get it too bad but then we're talking giant boats here not tiny little tiny yeah. little vessels but going across the tasman sea to tasmania from new zealand coming out of milford sound and then hitting these 40 foot waves it was really bad for three days most people didn't come out the rooms but i didn't really get it until the third day and that's when i started feeling this hang on why are the walls in this building moving so i can kind of yeah. relate slightly still not much <laughs> still yeah, not much but i'm getting there and I don't know why. I mean, everyone says, oh, it's all in the mind. No, rubbish. Like, I've mm. tried everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it really. Uh, you know, I once got it on a boat that wasn't even on the water. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> like, it was, it was, it was off, off, on, in a, in a uh, boatyard. Yeah. And I, it, you know, I cl- clambered on the yacht and then went down below. And yeah. straight away, I already was like, my body was like, this, you, it's a docket. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so that's strange like an association yeah it, and it must be and it's something i just i don't know how to do it i mean maybe maybe i need to get hypnotized or something maybe that'll help well i'd imagine that you're more aware than most of the power of our mind on uh working on things and well uh, exactly, getting through things which is why i thought arrogantly that i'd i'd sort of nail the whole seasickness thing but <laughs> no I have no idea. Just there's some things, yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe you could get some counselling, yeah, some CBT. I my, don't know if it would just my, be that, to be honest. My kryptonite, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, you also said that listening to music helped you. Uh, I mean, I, I, being a technophobe, had no idea that you could listen to music whilst swimming the sea. Um, yeah, it was. it's a lot easier now. The technology's come a long way. You know, mm. back then, it was a couple of headphones um, yeah. you could use. Um, which you would you would have to download the mp3s into the headphones so that yeah. it was one thing and that kind of helped um, now if I did it again now I would because phones and also phones weren't waterproof back then which is annoying mm. you know that was kind of annoying nowadays you just get these bone conductor headphones which play music through your temple rather than through your ears which means you can still have earplugs in to stop water going into your ears because you can get a thing called swimmer's ear where basically if, you're, yeah. if your inner ear is wet all the time bacteria start to form and then you get infection okay. and the only thing that helped my ears and I, I've been told that I have to tell everyone this that to not copy me um, <laughs> but is to use Blu-Tac Blu-Tac was really? the only thing that would last hours and hours and hours because it would just get solidly stuck in my ears um, and not let any water in um, so yeah, so it was difficult. So the times I did listen to music, often it water would go in my ears, and then I'd have to sort of really balance out the enjoyment of listening mm. versus having water in my ears. Whereas now you can just use the bone conductor ones, which which are amazing, and also you can have a phone potentially just on you know on a waistband on a running belt while you're swimming, you know, or just mm-hmm. shove down your wetsuit type thing. 
that would that would be make life a lot easier if I had to do it again. But yeah, well, I promise not to copy you, but I'll remember the blue tech thing. <laughs> uh, do you um, change your music depending on the activity that you're doing, running, swimming, um, cycling? So strangely, now I don't listen to much music. I listen almost okay. en- entirely to podcasts and audiobooks. You'll have another yeah. one to listen to then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and listen to yeah. yourself. Uh, yeah, gosh, no, that made me fall asleep probably. Um, yeah, so no, no, now it's almost entirely audiobooks really, and a few podcasts, and I'm really I, that really helps me focus my mind a little bit hmm. more, and, and kind of lets me not think about the pain when I've got an actual story to follow rather than just short, short songs. And as I'm getting older, I'm really enjoying long form media rather than just short, quick fixes. You know, like if a podcast is less than 45 minutes, like I, I feel shortchanged. Like I'm not even going to bother listening to it. We'll (laughs) go to, we'll go to 46. Yeah. 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 Give me, give me a, give me a four hour (laughs) podcast, you know, and, and, and films as well you know if I go to the cinema and the film's only 96 minutes I feel like what I want, I want like three hours Tarantino where there's no ending like give me that I've <laughs> never seen a Tarantino film I get slated for that all the time yeah I like it I like the I like just his his storytelling and you know it's anti-Hollywood in a way because it's just no it's none of these sort of big beginning middle and ends type thing um I need to take a take a look. I think. Yeah, and yeah, so I'm re- I just and also I'm a bit anti the whole quick, you know, like oh, short videos. This short, you know, you go on YouTube and it's like oh, I did this for twenty four hours, and I'm like nah, like <laughs> come on, and and it's a three minute video, or, you know. So yeah. I, I want long. Just give me, give me the backstory. Give me what the granny, auntie, uncle said in you know, living in Mexico, whatever. I just, I want, I want long form stuff. I enjoy it. Oh, okay. But don't, please don't say that, um, you, you said at the start of that, as I'm getting older, you're born, the, <laughs> you, you were born the same year as me. So come on. <laughs> well, we're all getting older every second. Uh, I, I, I like to think I'm doing the opposite. I, I, yeah. No, I can't. I like, I like getting older. Yeah, I don't mind like, it actually. I really now I'm there. feel more, and I feel this on a monthly basis. I feel more in tune with my thoughts. I feel more in tune with my body. I feel more um, focused on stuff that I know kind of is good for me and, and, you know, getting rid of stuff that I know is bad for me. Um, Yeah, it's really good. But the thing really getting more in tune with my body is something that I'm really enjoying. Yeah. I'm, I'm noticing what different foods do to my mood um, and my just even like my heart rate, you know, some foods I'll eat and all of a sudden I have a slightly higher heart rate and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't feel so good having that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm really enjoying that side of, you know, of, of living. Um, so yeah, getting older is, is great. Can't wait. I can't wait to be like the ginger Gandalf. I love that. <laughs> you know, I know. I was reading one of your dreams when you retire is to run the length of Africa. Yeah. When I, you, you retired. Know, yeah, with my kids. Yeah, I'd wow. love to do that with, like, in, in my in, in my vision, whether this is going to happen or not, is mm-hmm. the rest of my family have bicycles and they're my sort of support crew as I run it. You know, that would be, that'd be great. You know? See, just the type of person that I am there, I'm imagining Sound of Music <laughs> with the bike sort of weaving around behind yeah, you as you run. 
Yeah, exactly. With my wife holding an umbrella over me. Yeah, see, uh, this is this is how my mind works. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of the, of the run. Um, you grew up in Zimbabwe, did you? Um, yeah. So I was born in Zimbabwe, hmm. but uh, we moved to South Africa when I was quite young. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I, I kind of grew up in South Africa, really. But I have Irish and English families. So but you've, I, you've I, got a slight accent, slight accent left. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Well, the Zimbabwean accent is, isn't as harsh as the South African one. Mm. When I say harsh, you know, you know. I know. Yeah, I, know, I get what you mean. Um, yeah. And so yeah, and then you know, Granny was from London, you know, mm. and and my mother, my mother has quite an English accent. Dad's side was Irish, but a bit further back. So yeah. I I was actually third generation um, Zimbabwean uh, when when I was born there, but I still have an Irish passport. So um, Britain was always on the horizon. Britain was always the future for you. Um, no, it was never planned. It mm. was sort of come here, do some travelling, you know, do some work, uh, earn some pounds, which if you live anywhere else in the world is always a good thing. Um, and then go go back to Africa because that's you know where all my family was and my roots and everything. Mm. But yeah, I just kind of got stuck here. I, I started doing photo- photography, which was my first career, yeah. um, and was enjoying it. But then made some bad decisions and started doing types of photography jobs that I didn't quite enjoy, but they paid well. And then that was a slippery slope to being miserable. Mm. Um, so gave it all up to become a sportsman you did yeah you, you just said miserable you did describe your life before any of this amazing stuff as miserable um from somebody listening to you now um okay i've got background in mental health and everything but still it, it seems um it seems strange to hear this person and know that there was a time when you were absolutely miserable yeah and, and it, it was entirely my own fault you know and i think mm. You know, I remember, I remember sort of thinking back at the time, you know, hindsight is obviously easy and it's always very different when you're in, in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I really didn't do myself any favours. I didn't actively try and get out of my misery. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many there's so many simple things you can do to make you feel less miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because unless, if, if you don't have money, that's a difficult one. But I had money. I didn't have a lot of money, but we were a very successful company. You know, we had seven staff and we had offices. Um, so, you know, that once you've sort of taken care of your everyday expenses in life, so, you know, if you know you can buy food and pay your rent and and, and all that sort of thing, you know, that gets you out of a certain level of, of, of being miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got to do a whole lot of other stuff outside of that. And, and I didn't do that. I didn't do any exercise I didn't do anything creative and I'm very creative and I need to do creative things, um, whether it's drawing or writing um, or even photography or video. I just didn't do anything creative. I didn't have any goals yeah. um, to chase, you know, like really chase. Like I had all these sort of dreams at the back of my head, like, oh, that would be nice one day, but I didn't really actively pursue them. Hmm. And I think that's what this new life of mine has taught me that you know life life can be rubbish but also there are so many things we can do to make it better that are within our control yeah like find a goal chase it write it down my whole 
if anyone's gone on Instagram and had a look at my office, I painted my entire office, all the walls and the ceiling in uh, blackboard paint. So basically my entire office is a blackboard. So I can just write notes and draw pictures and write goals and dreams. And sometimes I have to take a painting off the wall to have more, more blackboard space that I write, draw a little graph under there. And then when I don't need it anymore, I just put the painting back. <laughs> so, wow. you know, and, and for me that works, you know, having a visual reminder every day of what I want to do, um, doing, doing exercise, is a big one eating healthy is a big one spending more time outside is another big one that i big advocate for um yeah. so all these things is what i could have done in my photography days and i didn't and then and, and that would have maybe increased the longevity of my photography career and, and allowed me to fall back in love with it but unfortunately i didn't do those and i just fell, fell out of love with photography um and then was, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was 30 years old with no A-levels and I didn't go to university. Mm. Um, and the only thing I'd ever done is photography since I was 15 years old. Um, like, what do I do? You know, and I'm, and I'm also, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't skint at the time, but I, when you live in London and you're not earning, it, the money mm -hmm. disappears pretty quickly, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> and I think I probably had six months of savings and credit cards left. Um, <laughs> So basically, I, I became an adventurer or a sportsman because I was skint. Uh, I mean, that's the truth of it. I thought, well, let me go traveling, but I can't afford it. So maybe if I break a record, I'll get someone else to fund it through sponsorship. So that was me thinking outside the box. You know, how can I get other people to pay for my silly ideas? It's just Which inspirational. Is... Like that just sounds inspirational. Yeah. When I ran out of money when I was living in London, after thirteen years, I put Viva Forever for the Spice Girls on the radio and drove home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I didn't have a home technically, so my my mother's a live-in carer. Yeah. Um. So she she rented a small small flat in Cheltenham, mm. but she was living in with these elderly people. Um, basically making the, the last sort of few years of their life as comfortable as possible and, and, and it's amazing so oh, bless it's not like it's you know even if I did go to my mum's rented flat which I eventually landed up living in for quite some time once I became this adventure person yeah um, you know it, it, it was just a rented flat that she was hardly ever in um, so yeah so it was sort of like right well I you know I've got to sort myself out here you know? mm. And the rest of my family's in Africa, so um, yeah. And, but it was good. Like I needed that. I needed that by not having a fallback. For mm -hmm. me, really, it works. Yeah, like, like for you me, have to. I, I'm 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 really goal driven and I'm deadline driven. My publisher hates it because <laughs> I'll have a, a, a deadline. You know, let's say now I'll have a deadline maybe in August. Yeah. And I won't do anything until like few weeks before then i'll just smash out you know um and then and weirdly my the quality is better for me when i focus in my entire energy on it mm -hmm. because i'm i'm a bit of a monkey terrier in my in my sort of nature mm -hmm. and i'm a monkey when i'm a monkey and i enjoy being a monkey you know i'm inquisitive i, I break things i burn things I, I fix things i burn my hands and you know i, I enjoy that <laughs> but every now and then i need to I need to be a terrier and focus my energies. And the problem is if I have no deadline, I'm trying to be a terrier while still in monkey mode and that just doesn't work. Whereas if I know there's a deadline coming, I turn into a terrier and then I'm like, right, and then I'm 100% focused. 
um, which I like, and that works for me. And then, and then, you know, you can't be a terrier forever, otherwise you just burn out. And then I go back to being a monkey. It's great. It's a good system. <laughs> I absolutely love how you have um, evidently looked at yourself, and your self awareness seems sky high. Uh, I, I love. I, I, I I'm loving listening to this because I'm just hearing someone that's really um, self aware. Uh, one thing that you said that I've heard you say is comfort kills ambition. And I absolutely loved hearing that. <laughs> that yeah. resonates with me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I invented that quote. It's been no. bashed, bashed <laughs> around the internet and the world for quite some time. But it certainly <laughs> resonated with me. Um, and and it is true, you know. And had I been, you know, in the, in in my sort of world as a photographer... I'm, I'm just so glad that I was so, so miserable. I just had to give it all in because I know yeah. so many people who they're, they're kind of comfortable, but just a little bit unhappy or not fulfilled. And that's mm-hmm. difficult because when you've, when you are comfortable, you know, and you've got you know, all these things that are kind of going right, but then there's something missing. Mm-hmm. That's, those are the people I really worry for because they're inevitably will never really actively make a change because they don't there's not enough of an incentive yeah. like the sacrifice is too high and mm-hmm. there's there's no good answer for that i can't you know i'm not even going to try and pretend that you know because what i'm not is is you know a lot of people go oh just quit your job and you know go traveling or just quit your job and find what you love but actually it, that doesn't work for everyone no you know, that you know sometimes just quitting your job with no real plan is going to land you up more miserable than, than before if you're not careful about it. Um, mm. So, yeah, so you just need to really sit down and analyze, you know, if you had to quit your job, yes, if, if, you, if you do something you hate, there's kind of no point in doing that unless there is a point, you know, if the point is providing for your family, you know, putting a roof and food on the table, yeah. then, then sometimes that's just it. And then maybe you should look for fulfillment outside of work because remember in in a day you should be dividing your day into eight hours work eight hours sleep eight hours play Mm -hmm. and of course that's wholly unrealistic right um because we've got to brush our teeth and do the cooking and do the laundry and do the commute (laughs) and take the kids to school and all that stuff comes out of playtime right Mm -hmm. um but yeah you know sometimes finding finding fulfillment in in outside of work activities can be even more rewarding because you know making a living from what you love can often make you not love it and that's Mm -hmm. what happened to me in in photography and a lot of people say and i do kind of believe it you know if you find something you love you'll never work a day of the rest of your life but what you need to also remember is you know making money from the thing you love will undoubtedly change the dynamics well turns it into work Exactly. in a lot of cases yeah yeah turns it and, back into even, work but even if you don't even if you don't consider it work mm-hmm. like for example you know i write books i love writing books mm-hmm. and i'll do it forever even if no one reads them i'll mm-hmm. still write them for my future grandkids mm-hmm. um so although when i sit down and write a book i do not consider that work absolutely not i absolutely love it and i get paid for it which is great however there is a lot of other stuff work-related stuff that I don't enjoy around book writing. You know, mm. often I'm spending a whole day traveling to London to do a, a little, you know, 
interview that lasts five seconds and then i'm you know missing my whole family and it's like is that worth it then there's the whole editing you i've got editors telling me that this chapter's crap and i've got to rewrite it and i kind of don't agree with them because i think it's how i felt and they think it's rubbish you know so there's a lot of other stuff around that that i don't enjoy and and if you really didn't enjoy it enough it could make you sort of not want to write so so often i think you know the whole just oh quit your job um and do what you love is a bit naive and a bit simplistic because our lives are a lot more complicated than that um so you know the, the next best thing is just find stuff to do outside of work time and it, which is what a lot of people are doing which is why things like marathons and ironmans and ultra ultra marathons are, are skyrocketing you know mm. because people are choosing to now do all these other activities outside of work which give them you know just as much even more fulfillment than <laughs> than sort of earning a paycheck um so yeah it is it's complicated and and difficult but you if you if you're not enjoying what you do um you just write a list i'm you know, i'm a big fan of lists you know write a list on yeah what your life would be like if you stopped you know and and go remember this is the, i'm saying this to people who don't have a plan or a goal mm. you know if you have a dream to do x y and z then 100 go for that dream you may not have to quit your job to start doing that dream you know i get people going oh, i'd love to cycle around the world should i just quit my job tomorrow and do it and my answer is definitely not you know mm. spend six months researching it planning a route doing all the stuff you can do while you have a job um saving up for equipment and all these sort of things um and then and then go off and do it so you know and and this is also just this is not also this is not just for you know frivolous goals of traveling for example it mm. may be starting a business it may be learning a musical instrument it may be you know whatever these goals are you know often you can do them you know within your, your daily life and you don't have to subs- you know subscribe to the whole like oh, i'm just going to quit my job and you know go traveling because it if the whole world did, if the whole world did that, then uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Know, we'd, restaur- we'd... Restaurants would close, and and restaurants have been closed, and it's becoming very very annoying. <coughs> I quite like to go to a restaurant again. Me too. Me too. Um, yeah, I miss I miss things like that. And I didn't go out much before the lockdown. I didn't I didn't go out for a night out that much, but I bloody will do afterwards because <laughs> I've I've realised that I was missing it. Um, yeah, I know. if you're my, in book, sorry, go on. I was gonna say, my wife and I might go clubbing, you know, yeah. by ourselves. You know, we'd be the, the old weird, the old weird couple in the corner, the dad and mum moves. <laughs> Sean, what did I say about age? <laughs> <laughs> Manchester, Manchester on a New Year's Eve for me is is like uh, normally the only night out that I have, but I'm very well aware that I need I need duct tape to sort of like yeah. pull my face back and. <laughs> Make it look like I'm at least in the sort of early 30s. I've been 28 for the last 11 years, basically. Nice. <laughs> I'm sticking there. Um, I, when... I, I've been 40 for the last five years. <laughs> I, I've been the other way around. Like, since I've been 35, I've been like, I'm, I'm basically 40 now. <laughs> yeah. See, I do this, but my best mate, who I grew up with and we're exactly the same, well, 26 days between us, goes mad at me. If I say, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're 40. He's like, no, we're not 40. And then I'll, I'll say stuff like, so we're basically 50, really. <laughs> <laughs> and it really pees him off. Uh, Doesn't want no, to be I, there. I love it. I can't wait for old age. Mm. Do you think that did that? Have you always been like that, or did that change once you had a child? 
So, it's weird. I have these memories of, and I wonder, and I don't know where it came from. And I, I don't remember being bullied for being ginger at school. Mm. I mean, I certainly, like, like properly bullied, you know. Yeah, yeah there was off-the-cuff remarks, but I remember even at the time putting it down to banter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I don't know. I, I went to a, quite a strict boarding school in South Africa, which or pretty much everyone does, you know, that boarding school is just the way you go to school in, yeah. in South Africa um, for the most part uh, because we just lived two, we, we lived six hours from you know, the nearest sort of school, really. Wow. Um, and bullying just wasn't tolerated by the seniors. You know, if if you were in the playground and you were getting, you were, you know, bullying another kid and a senior saw you, they, you know, and seniors could give out punishments. So the senior would be like, you come here, right, by nine o'clock tonight, you need to write me a 2,000 word essay on the sound you hear on the inside of a ping pong ball. You know, and it's just like, <sighs> so, you know, you, you just did, or, you know, go and scrub the corridor in, in the dormitory with a toothbrush. Maybe that's uh, what needs to happen here. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't, <laughs> it was none of this corporal punishment stuff that you mm-hmm. hear about. Uh, it was just really annoying stuff. Like, you know, can you go and cut the cricket pitch with scissors, please? Um, but it was good. It just means, you know, there was sort of this, this it was its own little self-governing system and, and bullying wasn't tolerated. So I wasn't really bullied uh, for being ginger, but there must have been something because I always remembered or always thought that, like, I, I can't wait to be older. Like, and I, I, I just even remember thinking, my life is going to be awesome when I'm older. Because and, of and the I'm ginger. Much, I don't know. I, well, I don't know well, what it was. The grey. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I think because I had a great childhood. I had. I was. I wasn't super popular at school. I wasn't unpopular. I was just kind of Mister Nobody. Um, uh, you know, I wasn't good at sport. I wasn't bad at, well, I was kind of bad at sport, but I wasn't, you know, I was just kind of middle of the road. Like there was nothing extraordinary about me at school other than, <laughs> other than being good at photography. That was the thing I was quite good at. at so from an early age then the photography. Yeah. So I don't know. So I've always just embraced this whole idea of, of getting older. I, I love it. I, I, you know, although I have to say what will what I am going to struggle with is when my body all of a sudden, you know, starts to say, right, yeah, I'm not up for this anymore, mate. Uh, yeah, that's going to be another midlife crisis, I think. But uh, for now, well, I'm feeling strong. On that subject, then, when you're in book writing mode and you are uh, holed up in your office writing books for a few days, does your mood drop if you're not getting significant physical activity? Or, you know, um, how long do you go between... No, strangely, I'm a bit of all or nothing. Um, I, when I'm training, I train hard, but then when I'm not training for anything, I kind of take my foot off the gas mm. just so that I can start to be hungry for it again. Yeah. So I often won't run for a couple of weeks, and then which makes me really hungry to go out and then do a long run. Um, I can relate to that bit. I don't yeah. run for a couple of weeks, only lengthen that a bit and you've got me <laughs> yeah but but i am active you know we've we've got a, a bit of a fixer upper house that we live in and mm-hmm. i've got my vegetable plots now and i've got <laughs> loads of wood to cut I, I love chopping wood and mowing lawn and digging digging earth like it's just kind of meditation for me really um 
so I'm, I'm pretty active and I like I have to make stuff again another thing that I I've discovered is if I'm not fixing something or, or, or making something mm. um, physically with my hands you know I, I love my woodwork um, and then I get really kind of frustrated so my wife hates it because you know if, if there's anything that's even remotely broken in the house i'm just like right i'll fix it and then i'm like we're halfway through dinner honey <laughs> i'm like i don't care i need to fix it now um well <laughs> yeah so um so yeah i'm a bit so in writing mode i, I no I, I don't feel the need to sort of all of a sudden go out and run it does help when yeah. i run uh, but i also can only write for about three hours at a time in, yeah in a, in a day so i do some writing in the morning perhaps um, and then I probably will go for a walk. My wife, she's self-employed as well. She works from home. So I have my office in in a cabin in the garden and she's in the house and we'll go on a lunch break walk. There's a, a two mile walk around our block. Uh, so we do that pretty much mm. um, every lunchtime. And so, so yeah, but I, yeah, I'm a bit all or nothing really, which surprises me even because it, and, and it also annoys me because I often then get really unfit in between projects and and then have to start from scratch again. But then I'm, I'm hungry, hungry for it, so I want to start from scratch. But I love how you say uh, there's a two-mile walk around our block. Now, knowing where you live, I'm thinking, block? Where's the block? Yeah, well, it's just <laughs> around the farmer's block, you know, like yeah. the, the back lanes, by the, the poo farm, the cow poo farm. Sticks, sticks of cow poo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of those around here as well. Yeah, yeah. How how does how does it compare then? What what's you now live in Wales? How does that yeah. compare to to I don't know other places that you've lived? I love. So my wife grew up here. So we've moved back to the village she grew up in. Just oh, the actual here. village. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the actual village. So we can see nanny and granddad's house from our house. Um, Gorgeous. And you know we love it. Yeah. We used to live in the Lake District, and whenever mm-hmm. we tell yeah. people we moved from the Lake District <laughs> to just outside of Mold, <laughs> mm-hmm. they go, "Why?" <laughs> um, it's but, the name, isn't it? When you tell people you live near Mold, they're like, know, "Mold, okay." Like, no, Google it. It's actually yeah. quite a pretty place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you just like give it the Welsh name? I think that'd be nicer. Yeah, trying to be better than Mold. Here with Greek, um, I think. Yeah, we'll I don't see. Know if that's that how you say it. I don't yeah. know if you say it like that. Yeah, I'm not. But, I'm not born Welsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we initially we were like, oh, we're going to miss the mountains and and you know miss the scenery, but truthfully, like that was quite a selfish way of thinking mm. because you know w- we need to actually think of it, what's best for our son and what's best for us as a family, and actually being near a family is is been amazing. You know, having nanny and granddad. You know, this year of course has been horrible, so it's sort of like waving at them through the window. Or, yeah. You know, we've have created a bit of a bubble with them when we were allowed to. Yeah. Um, but you know, just thinking in the future, for example, when he finishes school at three o'clock, and you know, if Caroline and I are working, he can just jump off the bus and go to nanny and granddad's type thing. And, and, that's and I think that's going to be good for him to have, you know, nanny and granddad at the village. And the other thing about, you know, where we live here, there's loads of other kids, you know, where we lived in the lakes, it was quite an elderly population for the most part. So even mm. though there was a school in the village we lived in, the, you know, for the most part, there were very few people our age, um, which again was... Young. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> few young people. There we go. There we um, go. And, and also, north, this part of North Wales is geographically 
I think, the best part of the UK to live in for access. You know, you've got Snowdonia right here. The Lake mm-hmm. District is not too far away. Mm. Uh, you're on the M6, so you can get up to Scotland pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got the Peaks. You've got the Yorkshire Dales all all here. You know, getting to Cornwall is, is you know, tough, uh, tough with a toddler. But it's not like, you know, when we lived up in the lakes... Cornwall was just a no-go. Like, Cornwall's just, another country from yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, f- with with a toddler, it's just, you're just not going to try it, really. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, so, so actually, we, we, we've fallen in love with living this part of Wales because what it also makes you do is it makes you appreciate going to other places. Because that's the other thing about mm. living in the lakes. It's so amazing. You never leave. <laughs> yeah, 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 so I can imagine that. To, you, you're like, well, no, I'm not going to bother going because actually I quite enjoy being at home. I can imagine uh, that with Cornwall as well for different reasons. Yeah, but Yeah, exactly. So actually it's quite nice sort of living somewhere, I put in inverted commas, normal, which mm. means you then go other places all the time and you actually travel a lot more, and which I quite like. So actually, yeah, I'm, we're here to stay, really. One of my favourite drives, um, I love driving, that's that's what sorts my head out if I need to, cooking or driving. In fact, that's been one of the most amazing things about doing these podcasts, talking to people and finding what makes them tick and what yeah. soothes their, their mental state and, and, yeah. and stuff. And for me, cooking is one, uh, singing is another, but driving. And one of my favourite drives in the UK is when you're going along the A55 and you're going past sort of... Uh, Conway sort of area and no it's before then and you can just see the whole expanse of the sea you can sort of see the Great Orm in the distance and it's just beautiful it reminds me of um, like an old computer game when I was a kid like these uh, south of France type uh, racing around south of France that's what it reminds me of it is a gorgeous area it really is I mean on a good day when uh, on some of those corners when you're going along the cliff edge you know mm. you really do feel like you're sort of in the south of france it's, yeah um, gorgeous yeah you know, with the weather when yeah. the weather's good yeah no exactly <laughs> you know yeah we i also I, uh, driving for me as well so really really helps me sort of kind of wind down a bit and we, we've actually got an, an electric car which drives itself which is even would more love an electric car <laughs> i would love an electric car so 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 driving i mean i know i probably shouldn't say this but driving it, kind of is another way of, of sort of entering a meditative state i know like i am fully concentrating when i'm driving but i do reach some kind of peace within myself when i'm driving when i'm on my own yeah for me it's it's a bit like you know sightseeing you know mm. you or even running is meditative really mm-hmm. or all sporters well, a lot of sporters anyway yeah um and yeah it's just you know just i i love it you know the electric cars is my wife's car to be fair i have a, a land mm. rover uh one of the old defenders and um wow. that i love it because it just still feels like a tractor mm-hmm. and I, I kind of feel that i can go anywhere um and it's i can sleep in the back if i want to and i can carry a canoe on the roof and and all these sort of things so yeah this is no, my next it, dream this is my yeah. next dream camper van i really uh, i just need a camper van <laughs> yeah i know my caroline is begging me to sort of see if we can get a camper van but mm-hmm. uh, we just don't have anywhere to park it. That's the only annoying thing. On the block, somewhere on the block. Somewhere around the block, yeah. <laughs> on those narrow lanes, I'll be well popular. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, just block, block the yeah. block, block yeah, the block. Yeah. Do that. Um, what's next for Sean Conway then? What's your next big adventure? Have you got anything in the pipeline that you can tell us? 
top secret, all of them. Um, oh no, don't do that. Uh, no, there's one. The, the one I'm doing in, in June, July, mm-hmm. whenever we can lock down um, ends and we can do local traveling, is I'm going to be running a marathon in each of the national parks um, okay. in the UK. So there's 15 national parks. Mm. I'll be running a marathon a day in all of them um, and creating a, a beautiful film. I'm, I'm getting quite into creating films. Um, I I can see myself actually becoming some sort of art filmmaker one day, you know, later in life or even now. But um, yeah, I want to sort of do a love letter to the national parks in the UK because they are really amazing. All that, that does sound beautiful. You know, and, and the, 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 the national park system in the UK is brilliant because mm. they're free to get into. Anyone can go and travel and walk in them. You know, public footpaths, rights of way is a good system because many places in the world a national park is cordoned off you've got to pay an entrance fee to get into it and xyz right so yeah, yeah it's a good system here and, and i think we need to look after the national parks we need to appreciate what they what they have to offer us and use them responsibly and and also just show people how amazing they are you know Will you be starting or ending in Snowdonia? Ending in Snowdonia, so that'll be the final one. Yeah. <laughs> nice that'll cup of tea at home. One. Yeah, exactly. Close to home. So. Brilliant. Well, do you know what? Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I hope you found some benefit in just talking. So thank you. Yeah, I have, Richard. Thanks so much. I really love it. You know, I, I love sharing my story, and hopefully, if one person can listen to it and go, right, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start running. Um, hmm. <laughs> you've, you've even got me up. thinking of it. You've even yeah. got me thinking about. It. Just no, start, do you know what? Start small, you know. Just run one kilometer. I download. Well, I saw. I saw your thing about running a kilometer and then two kilometers and three kilometers. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking I might have to spread that over a bit of a longer period. <laughs> but um, no, I do. I did download the Couch to Five K app, but I haven't opened it yet. <laughs> yeah. well, that, that's where you're going wrong. Often you need to open these exactly exactly i need i need to i need to get a wiggle on there Uh, anyway thank you so much um and to you guys listening thank you for listening and remember if you need to talk then reach out i'm on twitter at richard sefton 3 if you need or want to talk immediately call the samaritans on 116 123 they're waiting for your call on the other hand if you can then be there for someone lend them your ear this has been state of mind with richard sefton i'll look forward to another cuppa and a chat next time take care